Pastor Ed Taylor on what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, I want you to follow me where I go and what I do and where I am. And of course, you Bible students, you know that following Jesus is not an easy road, unfortunately, as some have said. Following Jesus is rough. Following Jesus will lead you into times of temptation, into times of trouble, into times of trials, into times of tribulation, into times of thorns, ultimately leading to a cross. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another week of Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us momentarily, and he'll be continuing our study of John's Gospel. We aim to finish up chapter 1 today. We say it often as believers, we are followers of Jesus. But what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Well, a lot more than you may realize. And here's a little hint. It's not just about obedience. Here's Pastor Ed with part 2 of his message, Follow Me. Verse 39, he says, come and see. And then, in verse 43, he says, follow me. That's a pattern to recognize. It starts with, well, what do you want? And that's a question. What do you want? Well, I want to follow. Okay, what are you seeking with God? Well, well, you know, I want. And so the answer to that is, whatever answer you come back with, God says, well, then come and see. Come and see. And then those of you that have decided to come and see, then it finishes with, follow me. Follow me. A powerful phrase that God is sharing with us today to follow him. Jesus said it to Philip then, and he's saying it to us now. And responding to these two simple words will change your life. Follow me. How you respond to these two words will profoundly dictate the rest of your life. Because this is not a one-time, this is not a one-time invitation, not a one-time command. These come up over and over again in our daily life. Follow me. Who will you follow? Who will you follow? What will you follow? This is a lot of things to follow, a lot of options today in following, you know. I mean, there is great pressure to follow the wave of the culture, the wave of the culture, whatever's hip and whatever's cool, and, you know, I need to be in what's hip, and I need to be when it's cool, and so you start to follow the wave of the culture. Some are tempted to follow the wave of the political climate, and just try to get on the political bandwagon. I mean, this is how it looks. If the people in political office are people you like, then you, in your following, you are cheerleaders, rah, rah, rah. I really like the way things are going. And if somebody's in political office that you don't like, then you become very, anim, you know, with great animosity and you're very upset and I can't believe. And either way, either way, it's a temptation. Are you going to follow the political climate? Because it's always changing. There's always something new. There's always something to be happy about or upset about. Are you following the political climate? Or even on a simpler, simpler terms, you know, I see people that spend a lot of time following celebrities. They just want to know what did they eat, what did they wear, 
What kind of shoes do they have? What did they, you know, what movie are they in? You just kind of spend a lot of time following celebrities. There's the temptation to follow, well, people that have really impacted you, like teachers, you know, authors that you like, professors. Uh, Maybe you follow a television show, and there's a lot of things to follow. I mean, we can even follow one another on Twitter. How many of you tweet? Anybody tweet here? It's like, okay, listen, there's a new technology out there. (laughs) It's a microblogging technology known as Twitter. And if you were to get on Twitter, you would be able to start following people. You will find out what they eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because they love to post. Where's where I'm at? And this is what we're going. And, you know, we as a church, we use technology. We use Twitter. We use Facebook to get the gospel out, to talk about and uplift people and edify. And now, you know, there'll be times when I do, when I do tweet or post about the very best, absolute 100% best college football team in the country. Or the best hamburger that comes to us from Southern California. I'll post and tweet a few times about that. And you can take that up to another level when you, in Twitter, you follow people. And then what they post, you can read and you can post some things and even have a conversation with them. Then you could take that to the nether level on Facebook. You're not just following people, you're becoming friends with them. Virtual friends, but friends nonetheless where you send a request and they accept the request and now you can interact with one another in very much the same way. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is where I've been. And you can have a lot more friends than are really your friends. Have you noticed that? Well, you know, I have 5,000 friends. Really? How many do you know? Five. Yeah, I know. I know because I love the technology personally. I love the new interaction. It really is another way of building a different type of community. My concern is always that it replaces true friendship and true human interaction. Uh, And so we always have to be careful with that, that, you know, that 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 doesn't replace what real relationship is all about, people to people, face to face, so important, so vital. But I was thinking about how many friends there are and how many people, and I was thinking... You know, Jesus has a lot of friends, so-called. A lot of friends. But I wonder how many real followers he has. How many of us have responded to this call to follow him completely, wholeheartedly? Back in 2001, a poll was taken on heroic historical figures. In fact, Jesus was the most admired hero in the United States in 2001. It's unfortunate, I think, that things have greatly changed if they were to do that poll all over again. But even if the same conclusion came up, that today Jesus was the most admired hero in the United States, friend, Jesus didn't ask us or tell us to admire him. He told us to follow him. Follow me is the word here. It's an interesting phrase in the Greek language. It's much more than meets the eye in the English You see, the first thing you'll notice when you find these two Greek words is that it is an imperative statement. What that means is it's a command. It's not just kind of an invitation. Well, what do you seek? Come and see. Things change a little bit. This is a command. It literally means to walk the same road, to go along the same path. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, I want you to follow me where I go and what I do and where I am. And of course, you Bible students, you know that following Jesus is not an easy road, unfortunately, as some have said. 
Following Jesus is rough. Following Jesus will lead you into times of temptation, into times of trouble, into times of trials, into times of tribulation, into times of thorns, ultimately leading to a cross and a burial and a resurrection. It's not the popular thing to do, as some would suggest. Selling out stadiums around the country, speaking about a life of free of pain if you just follow Jesus. They're just not reading the Bible. They're not listening to Jesus himself. And jot it down in John chapter... Well, we haven't really turned anywhere, pretty much. Go to John 16 with me, and let me read this so we can quote from it. John chapter 16, just a few pages over to the right. The phrase is imperative. It's a command. You must follow me. Come, do it. And here's the path that we would follow along with Jesus. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And you say, amen, yes. In the world you will have a great fun time. You may, but it won't be without what Jesus says, tribulation. Because that's what he says. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, but this world's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Not only is this a command to come alongside Jesus, to walk the same road, but it's also in a tense in the Greek that speaks of an ongoing action. So it's not just follow me, make the decision 20 years ago and you're in. This is a daily, you could translate it, follow me, continually keep on following me. That's, where you, that's really what the language means. Follow me, continue on, keep on following me every day, all day, with everything that you have. Could be another way of translating this. That's what these two words are. Hey, look, this is a life decision. And it's a life decision that needs to be continually made. I command you to follow me each and every day. That's the word of the Lord. I command you. You want to follow me? And then I'm telling you, you must follow me. Every day, all day, with all that you have and all that you are. You know, the Bible also, as we talk about walking along the same road or going along the same path with Jesus, another picture of following Jesus is often the race. You know, Paul used that a lot, racing. The idea of, you know, I want to finish my race with joy. Or he would say uh, to the Romans, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us so that we can run our race with joy. And the picture comes not of a 100-yard dash, although as important as that is. The picture of the Christian life following Jesus is not of a quick sprint, but a very long marathon. Now, I've met people over the years, even in our own congregation, that love to run marathons. They love to run half marathons, whole marathons, once a week, once a month. I just don't get it. But I do get it. It's something you want to do. It's refreshing. It's exhilarating. And I would say for the most part, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong later on, but for the most part, for somebody running a marathon, winning is not really what they're in it for. Because, you know, the person that wins, they are so fast that they cross the finish line before you're done tying your shoes. It's just how they are. That's what they do for a living. And for you, it's more like health, it's like a hobby, you want to work on yourself, you want to build stamina, and less, really less do you want to win, and more do you want to just finish. I just want to finish. 
I want to be able to say I finished. I started something and I finished something. And, and, and I was dropping off my daughter yesterday to one of the high school events that we were having here. And on the way, I noticed something. It just, out of the blue, I noticed there was a car in front of us that had these stickers on the back window. And the sticker was 13.1, which I have learned it means that they finished a half marathon. And then there's 26.2, which I've learned means they finished a whole marathon. And then there was one on the right. That was on the left side of the window. Then there was one on the right side. I don't remember the exact number, but I remember it wasn't in multiples of 13 or 26, but it was like 100 and something. And I'm like, what did they do? What is that? Well, last night a brother texted me, you know what, what it was. He says, Ed, you got to understand, there are races of over 100 miles. I'm like, what are they thinking? Why would you want to do 100 miles? But you know what? If you want to do 100 miles, you're going to train to finish. Because I have read up on marathons before. I haven't run any myself, but I have read up on marathons. And I've learned that there comes a point in time in the race where you hit the wall and you got to train for it because the wall is going to tell you to quit it's going to tell you to just to give up your body can't take it anymore but then your training kicks in and a new friend once you get through the wall then you got a new fresh burst of adrenaline you got a fresh but you can finish no problem you just got to get through the wall it sounds so much like many believers today you're in follow I'm, i'm ready to follow and then along the way, you didn't plan. You didn't plan. This is a marathon. This is a long. This is all the way to heaven. This is not just some temporary thing to get out of a jam. Following Jesus is everything. It's all. It's, it's no longer. You don't go backwards. You're going all the way, but you hit the wall. And you weren't ready for it. You weren't trained for it. You, you weren't, well, hey, let me give you some training, okay? Let me give you some training. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. This is a race. You know, even toward the end of Paul's life, he said his objective was to finish the race. And even later on in his life, he concludes, I have finished my course. I've done it. I've completed it. It is accurate and right and whole. Well, let me give you a little bit of training so that you can be ahead when you hit the wall. Follow me every day, all day, with all that you have and all that you are. And you go, well, Ed, how? What does that look like? Well, let's find out what Jesus has to say. Because he uses the same phrase... In Matthew 16, but he gives some conditions, some commitments to make. Notice with me verse 24, please. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, If anyone desires to come after me, and here if you're taking notes, number one, let him deny himself. In order to follow Jesus, you need to learn how to deny yourself. You need to learn the truth that life is not about you and your agenda and yourself. That's one of the biggest lessons that we need to... You want to follow Jesus? Yes, yes. Then you need to learn. I need to learn how to deny myself. I need to learn that in every area that God reveals it to me. I need to learn how to deny myself. There are still yet areas in my spiritual walk where God is going to show me where I need to deny myself. He's going to call me to follow again, to deny myself. I was thinking back on my personal, in my personal life, you know, for many years, I didn't take care of myself. Thinking of running and everything, I didn't take care of myself. You know, breakfast for me before service, sometimes I'd almost faint up here. Because you know what breakfast for me was? Diet Pepsi and Snickers bars. And that's how I got through. 
And people would look at me and go, like, you look pretty dizzy. I was, man. I was like, I had nothing in me. I wasn't taking care of myself. I, I didn't take care of my body. I didn't take care of my health. And, and, and there would be people in the congregation telling me, you need to take care of yourself. And I'd read books on pastors. You need to take care of yourself. And you know what? I didn't want to take care of myself. So leave me alone. I didn't want to do it. I'm too busy this and I'm too busy that. But there was brothers in the church that just would not let up. And they're trained in this area. And so they finally cornered me and said, hey, you need to take care of yourself. And they put together a little regimen for me. And, and it was just like 15 or 20 minutes of stretching twice a week. That's it. He said, just start with this little thing and then come back and we'll talk. And then I know you live near a park, so just walk around the park once or twice. And, and let's just start there. And so I did. I took his little binder. I went down to my basement. I had a little thing there. I started stretching. After about five minutes, I said, this is stupid. I was already tired. I was sweating. I was sweating in the basement trying to stretch. So I closed the binder up. He said, go walk around the park. So I started to walk around the park. My park, one lap, quarter mile. That's what it is. One lap on the little sidewalk, quarter mile. Halfway through, you know what? I stopped like this, and I was like this. You know what I said? This is stupid. I can't even walk around the park. I don't want to do this. I like my life the way it is. But they wouldn't let up. And I did make a commitment. You know what? We know what God was doing to me in the physical realm is what he wants to do to us in the spiritual realm. Because we feel that way at times. This is just wrong. This is, I don't want to go on. I don't like this. This is hard. Whatever it might be, God's saying, you need to deny yourself. This isn't about you. You've got a family to take care of. You've got a church to oversee. You made a commitment. You said you were going to do it. So just, you know, you have these conversations. I don't know what God sounds like to you, but that's what he sounds like to me. Get going and be quiet. And so I stuck with it. I mean, the, it, it had such a profound effect on me. It had such a great effect on me. And my, because I, we work with young guys here, and they're all working out and lifting weights. And they just go, Ed, you need to take care of you, Pastor Ed, you need to take care of you. And I'm like, I drop the word on them. I go, bodily exercise only profits a little. And I'm like, just like, be quiet. It was just an excuse, using the Bible to my own end. And now, many years later, I mean, it had such a profound effect that I needed to come up here. I had lost so much weight and got into shape that people thought I was sick. I said, no, I'm not sick. This is what Ed looks like when he takes care of himself. I'm not sick. I'm just fine. This, and, and it was a lesson in my life to teach me discipline and denial of self that I think is also greatly beneficial in my spiritual life. You see, Jesus said, follow me. Take care of your body, physically and spiritually. Take care of your family. Take care of the issues in your life. Follow me, all of you, everything. And I know you're going to get times where I don't like this. It's hard. I know. Follow me. It's going to get harder until heaven. Then it's going to get a lot better. Just keep your eyes on heaven. That's a good end to all the discipline and self-denial. You want to follow Jesus? Do you really want to realize all that God has for you? Deny yourself. Learn to deny yourself. Okay, Ed, what's next? Well, let's look at what Jesus says. Verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Okay? Take up his cross. All right, Ed. You know, this is one of the most mis- used verses in all the Bible because you hear people say, oh, I'm bearing my cross. Oh, I'm just bearing my cross today. I married him. I'm burying my cross. I hate my job. I'm burying my cross. Totally not what Jesus is saying here. Totally not. 
The cross in the first century was not an ornamentation on the back of a stage to remind us of the empty cross. It's not, it was not used as a necklace or a pendant or earrings. It wasn't put on the front of scrolls. The cross meant one thing and one thing only. Torturous death. Torturous deserved death. And many times undeserved to the Jewish population because over 200,000 Jews died because of the cross at the hands of the Romans. So you and I want to follow him. Number one, we need to deny ourselves. Number two, we need to die to ourselves. After you're done denying, you got to like, well, what else is alive? It needs to die. Just like Paul would say, I die daily. He would say to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's God. It's he lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Following Jesus, because after he says, deny yourself and take up your cross, what does he say in verse 24? Follow me. He says, you really want to follow me. I command you to follow me. And these are the prerequisites. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. Why, verse 25? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what, is a man, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, Jesus is saying to us today as a church, like he did with Philip and every other person, hey, I want you to follow me. I want, you to, I want you to do what it takes in the last days to follow me. It's no mere invitation, hey, if you want to connect with other believers and get connected with the church and you know, all the vernacular that we use today, those are all secondary to you and I getting real and doing business with Jesus personally. You really want to follow him? I mean, a lot of difficulties exist in our church right now because you refuse to follow him. Well, you mean I don't refuse to follow him? Yes, you do. You refuse to deny yourself. And you refuse to die to yourself. And thus, you're unable to follow him. And that's what the Lord's always knocking on the door of your heart. Come back to me. Come back to me. And one of the reasons you don't come back to him is because you're not ready yet or not willing yet to deny yourself. To die to yourself. So that through that lifelessness in the flesh, God is able then to give us life in the spirit. So when you read words like this, it's so much more than what do you seek. And it's so much more than come and see. It's follow me. Follow me. Even from the original language, there's one more nuance that could be really encouraging to us. And that is, you could see this phrase also, not just follow me, but follow with me. And so Jesus is saying to us that, hey, yes, I want your obedience, but I also want your companionship and your friendship and your relationship. I'm not just dictating to tell you what to do. Let's do it together. Follow with me along the same path. Later on, we're going to find that Jesus will say, greater things you'll see. You'll see even greater things, he tells his disciples, after I die and ascend into heaven. You're going to see greater things. And I think the path of greater things is the path of following him. And that's what I invite you to do today. Follow Jesus. Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. 
Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. We're really excited about this month's offer. It's a book written by Chuck Smith. It's Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go around, that love is the answer, and all you need is love. But what is love, really? And why is it so hard for so many to find? That and more is explored in Love, The More Excellent Way. And we'll send it your way with the gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 